Nolan Walker here with Roofers Paradise. I'd like you to consider being a guest. If you've got a great story to tell uh, for your roofing company, you don't have to be a client of Roofing Webmasters. We'll have you on the show. Uh, check us out at roofersparadise.show. Shoot us an email, or you can call us from the phone number you'll find on roofingwebmasters.com. But I'd love to hear from you and maybe have you as a guest on Roofers Paradise. Hey everybody, it's Nolan uh, with Roofers Paradise. I am here with Kenneth Byler of Great Lakes Commercial Roofing. Hey there, Kenneth. Hey, Nolan. So, all right, so Great Lakes Commercial Roofing is out of Pennsylvania and Iowa, if you wanted to look them up. Um, you know, as usual with this, we're gonna just talk about what, why somebody got into roofing, what you like about it, what you don't, any interesting stories to tell, helpful stuff for other roofers, <clears throat> and um, in the case of Kenneth, I, I know uh, I've known Kenneth for a while and I know that he's pretty aggressive about stuff. And one thing different here, it is, it is somewhat unusual. I think Kenneth, you would agree to find a commercial only guy. So that's a little bit different. We're gonna talk about Conklin coatings a little bit, which I'm not being paid to promote in any way whatsoever, by the way. Um, but Kenneth does uh, sell Conklin products and uh, I don't know if you saw all their stuff too, but if you don't mind telling me how you got in or telling everybody how you got into roofing. Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually working at a pallet shop. Um, we manufactured wood pallets. And my uncle was, he was doing roofing before I was and he needed help on a job. And right. he asked me if, if I uh, would want to help him for a day. and. I said, yeah, I mean, it sounded interesting. I didn't know anything about flat roofs or roofs in general. And so I helped him the one day and I was like, this is crazy. I, I said, this is, this is, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, it was, it was brutal. It was the work hot. you had to do or, or just the amount of the labor? Just, just the labor part. It was in the middle of the summer. It was really warm. I wasn't used to it. Um, but then he ended up asking me to help again another day, um, like a week later, and I went and helped him again and haven't looked back since. I mean, it's all kind of started from there. Um, and, and if so you're familiar with you, how... When, when, you, when you helped your uncle then, was it when you saw the financial part of it that you got more interested in it? Or like, did you know how much money he was making? I'm sure he's a family member, so he's helping you, right? Correct. And... I didn't know how much money he was making, but I saw he, how much he was paying me. And <laughs> that just opened my eyes to all, actually all the money that's available in commercial roofing, uh, if you do it correctly. Um, so that was definitely a deciding factor in wanting to continue in the commercial roofing industry. Um, and through, if you're familiar with how Conklin works, you know, you help somebody get their account set up, their business set up. And to this day, my uncle that got me started is still very, uh, very much a part of my group of mentors, um, in helping okay. me grow personally and in business. Um, he no longer does roofing. I actually ended up purchasing his commercial roofing company two years ago. Oh, cool. And we run those two side by side now, but, um, he's still there as a kind of a mentor. So, so did, did he have a, a lifestyle that you liked? I guess then, I mean, you wouldn't have gone into it if you didn't like his lifestyle. I'm assuming he had some toys and properties and things that you liked or just peace of mind and flexibility of uh, freedom of life, right? That was a result of his efforts. The The biggest pull to me was the, the freedom that he had to uh, go on vacations with his family. Um, mm -hmm. Not so much the materials possession part of it, um, he's right. not somebody who just buys a lot of frivolous things, which I'm not either, but just, uh, the, the whole part of having the financial means to go on a vacation whenever you need to not being, you know, held down to any particular job, you know, nine to five, that's what really right. appealed to me. So. Yeah. I think it's a lifestyle for sure. I, I used to think about things a little bit differently. You don't want the biggest home in the worst rat race market. It, you're much better off to have a cabin somewhere that's a beautiful lifestyle and environment, right? So it's not the material possessions, it's the lifestyle 
that it affords. And a lifestyle is much more valuable than just cars and houses, right? Than just that alone. It's a, and then the freedom to live that lifestyle as well. Um, but yeah, go ahead. So, so you got it. Did he, and, and you touched upon doing it. You said a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about, but go ahead and, and finish. But like, if you do it correctly, there's money in it. Having a mentor, you know, lifestyle over material possessions. So we're already touching upon just a lot of really good stuff. So, yeah. So, so how long did it take you? How long ago was this? Um, that was in 2014. So that'd be like eight years ago, I think, um, is what it comes oh. out to. Um, and I, I want to talk about the, the mentoring part too, some, um, if we have time, because that's something that's really, um, I don't deal. think it, it's a, it's a huge deal. And I can see there's, I wouldn't be close to where I am today without, uh, you know, my business coach, my group of mentors that have helped me along the way, because if somebody's starting out, I started when I was 18, I had no business experience whatsoever. Right. So when you're starting from that point, there's no way you can know everything. And there's no need for, I, I didn't see a need for me to make all these mistakes. If I could learn from somebody who'd already gone through that process and was to the point where I wanted to be at some point. So if you don't mind my asking, are you 26 years old then? I'm Can 26. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm 49 years old and I, um, I want, I, I've always found this stuff fascinating. I had some really good advantages in life and some disadvantages, like a lot of people. I didn't have a good enough mentor with how to manage my business and the money that I made from my business early on. Um, this can be screwed up at any time. You know, you've heard the saying, a fool and his money soon part. And so you can make money, but if you don't have a vehicle for it, um, you're going to keep churning a rat race wheel until you're done with it. And I always like the, uh, I, I talk about him a lot because I like him, but I like the Robert Kiyosaki method of you're only out of the rat race when your you know, passive income is over your, your monthly expenditures, which is another reason you don't want to just go out and buy possessions. It's about a lifestyle. So once you have the rat race part of it, you have pa- passive income, you're out of the rat race. You're not scared anymore. You're not just running the treadmill to pay the bills. And if you don't have a mentor or some business coaches, you're going to run that treadmill over and over again until you make decisions smart enough to get the hell off the treadmill. And everybody, you know, society wants you on the treadmill, consuming and doing everything, buying stuff. Um, I, I did a like, you just, one thing that I talked about on one of these podcasts the other day is that one thing that a huge mistake that business owners make is they, they view which they're supposed to do legally is their, their roofing business or my business, whoever's business is a separate entity, which is true. But since you're the owner and you take an income check, so you, you earn income off the business, but the business is its own, people will earn income and they might pay more to increase quality of life, which is buying possessions before passive income, but they don't take that money and invest it back into themselves from the company. That should go back into passive income investment instead of just growing the business exponentially because the business will grow exponentially and then become less stable and you never took the profit to get out the rat race in the first place if that makes sense so people will expand too much but not work the plan to get out of the rat race and i i don't know if people are helping you with that are your are your business mentors and business coaches telling you anything like this at all like i'm talking about to help you with it Oh, yes, absolutely. And I feel that's where I've been really fortunate to have these mentors um, to teach me, you know, about the not just the running the business, but also the personal knowledge part of it, because I firmly believe uh, the bottleneck. Well, if you look at a bottle, the bottleneck is the thinnest part of it is at the top of the bottle. And if you look at that um, as yourself, I actually wrote an article about this uh, for the Forbes Business Council, but there's the, the the owner is usually the one choking down his business or keeping keeping the business from from expanding and from the people the people in the organization doing their thing that they're good at. So right. the the first thing you have to do is increase the knowledge between your own ears uh, as the owner, because the business will never rise above the level that 
you have in your own mind. Um, so once you grow yourself, um, invest in yourself, that's when your business will grow um, exponentially. So not only do you have to be positive, but you have to have some actual skill sets and knowledge base. I, a lot of people just simply, you've heard thoughts, uh, thoughts are things or thoughts materialize, think and grow rich and Napoleon. So, so, you know, thoughts actually do materialize and a lot of people will hold themselves back just in their speech, um, you know, of it. So that, that is an important aspect, but people can't just talk positively and will themselves into a million bucks if they don't go work hard and learn as well. And a lot of people get stuck there and they just end up doing positive speech, but they don't go learn and figure out how to do all this stuff, you know, and, and it, it's right. Life's very unforgiving about whether you're going to be successful or not, isn't it? You know, it's very unforgiving. You, you can't just do one or two things properly. There's quite a few things that need to match up. Are all these mentors family members like your uncle? Oh, no, actually only, only my uncle, um, John, we can call him John. Um, but there's, there's a, a big, um, contractor in Connecticut has, um, a couple hundred million dollar contracting business. Uh, he was one of my, uh, earliest mentors after John. And there's another roofer in Wisconsin that's a mentor. Um, and then I have mentors that only do real estate, um, so do you They're pay these people or do you group. ask them to be your mentor? I'm curious. So how are you getting a mentor to somebody to help you? So assuming they're not just a friend, but it's a business acquaintance. And are you, are you going up to them and saying, Hey, would you mind being my mentor? Are you directly asking somebody or how does that work? So they're, they're not paid. Um, they're all acquaint people that I've gotten to know uh, in the industry or through other friends. And I just ask him, I, I tell him, hey, look, I, I really admire what you're doing. Um, I'd like to see myself in your position at some point in the future. Uh, do you mind if I pick your brain occasionally and uh, have you in my group of mentors that I contact occasionally and grow? I find this fascinating. So, so did you do this on your own or did someone tell you to do or did someone no, say I just, you might want to try? Yeah, I I just did. I mean, it was from books that I've read. Um, a lot of people talk about you know surrounding yourself with people who you want to be with. You know, you you're like your five closest friends, or you know whatever that saying goes. Um, so whenever I see somebody who's you know really successful, um, and and that ties into a whole nother thing because a lot of people it's really easy to look super successful on social media these days. Right. And right. you're, you're not really, <laughs> I mean, we, right. it's, it's crazy. So I, I basically make sure they are who they say they are. Um, right. And then from that point, and, and a lot of the people who are so successful and are where I want to be, they're, they're glad to help out. They, they love helping other people out. Um, yeah. especially if you, there's a thing of providing value. Now, I don't, I don't feel like I give them as much value as they give me, but I always try to, you know, I send them a fruit basket occasionally or a card or, you know, gift card or whatever, occasionally just let them know a handwritten note, how much I appreciate them. But I think the biggest pay or the biggest value that you can give to them is applying what they tell you to do and then they can see the results from that and to them i think it's a natural part of a human's development is to get older and to want to help somebody younger so you're young enough that they're like sure i'll help you and someday you'll be the guy and you'll be helping somebody else and hopefully that's the way to go i want to talk about this for just a minute though because this is bigger than people think because people hear hey kenneth has mentors, but how did he get a mentor and what do you do to get the mentor? So there are a lot of books, uh, Kenneth, like tons of books that, and they all say this, go ask people. A lot of these books will say, how did he get to talk to the president of this company or the owner? And it's like, well, he went and asked. And when the guys asked, why'd you help that guy? He said, well, nobody ever asked me to help. He did. 
And so you're the guy asking for help. And it sounds like you're just cold call picking up the phone sometimes with some of these people. I don't know if you are or not, or you meet them in some circles of master, you know, another uh, five closest friends. I would, I would look at this more like a mastermind group that you've assembled for yourself. Um, I will tell you that I've asked about this. This was a problem of mine, Kenneth, personally. Um, I have a business coach that I've had for almost or right at five years now. My life has been vastly better since I've had it, vastly better. And he basically told me that men don't ask for help because they have low self-esteem, basically. Somebody has low self-esteem. So you have, you have to have high self-esteem. You don't come off arrogant or cocky, by the way, at all. You come off very humbled, but which is going to be necessary if somebody's going to want to help you. But most people don't have a high enough self-esteem to ask for help. And so when I was, um, I, I invest in Airbnb condos in Hawaii. I tell people that as part of my dream is that I have, and I, but I got help from a guy. Um, so I, I went and asked for help at, at the age of 45 or six, you know, around the time I got a coach and my life started getting so much better around that time frame. And some guy, I said, Hey, I'm, you know, this guy was kind of my friend. I was like, uh, hey, can you help mentor me on how to do this and buy these condos? And do I, I would really appreciate it. And, and you know what? He, he did, and he's a good friend of mine, and he still helps me to this day, uh, four or five years later, and it's very successful, and it was from picking up the phone and asking. And I just want to make sure people understand this. So if you're a guy like me who took till later in life to ask for help, um, or a guy or be like Kenneth and do it early, but you flat out have to go ask for help, right? You ask for help and people are happy to give it. Like not only was it not uncomfortable, how many people have said, go away, punk. I'm not helping you for anything. Have you ever had that happen? Never had it happen. Never had it happen. So yeah, but, but that's what people think is going to happen, right? I'm, why would I help you, Kenneth? I barely have been able to make millions on my own. I'm not sharing any of the wealth with you. It's actually opposite what people think. In fact, I think there's some unwritten laws is that when you help people, you do better, right? You actually do better. So, so I, yeah, I find, so um, are they all roofers, all these mentors? No, like the one, the one does uh, real estate, commercial real estate. Right. Um, the other one um, does contracting basements, mostly wet basements, contracting that part of thing. Um, right. And then the other two are roofers. Other three are roofers. Yeah. Right. Well, it's fascinating. And, and so you had mentioned, let's talk about there's money to be made if you do it correctly. Can you expand on that premise a little bit, that concept? Yeah, so there, uh, there's so much uh, that goes into that, doing it correctly. There is. Um, and a lot of that you learn as, as you go. I mean, if I, you know, through mentors and through experience, I mean, there's no way I could have known what all I would get into when I first started my business. But a, a business is there's so many moving parts and you have to picture it as a machine and each wheel, um, you know, you've got marketing, uh, you've got service, you've got production, you've got all these different wheels. And basically if you, you know, put leads in the top, your machine has to put money out the bottom for you and, and you know, going into all those moving parts and there's, um, you know, some of the things that, you know, Expenses, sales. Can you sales, discuss uh, a profitable job or like low overhead, maybe? Because you, if you're if you're if you're successful now, meaning profitable, you don't have a high expense structure overhead, right? So do you do you, do you focus on that much, or are there places where you'll spend money and places where you worry about money being spent that, that gobbles up your net profit? Yeah. So the the biggest thing is your your gross margin. Um, that's what we watch the closest. Um, and then our expenses stay fairly consistent, but the gross margin, um, you know, if you look at your cost of goods sold, your payroll, um, you know, all those other expenses that you get into. And as a company, we have one of the, you know, in our area, our overhead is probably among the largest of, of those companies. 
because of all the people that we have in place and, you know, just the company that we've built. But with that, we also provide more value than these smaller companies who have lower overhead. Um, so people are willing to pay more um, for our service. But there again, we've, our customer, our customer base, we have our ideal customer and it's different from those smaller smaller roofing companies. Our customers are a lot of times different than, than them. Um, you know, we do, we do big, uh, we get into these big companies, big corporations, they get us back to do multiple roofs every year and they're looking at the value versus the cost thing. We don't take every single job that comes to you. No, we don't. If, if, a, if a customer is rude or um, doesn't treat our salespeople right or, you know, right. his company is not somebody we want to do business with, we won't even give them a quote because they're not, you know, it's, it's right in our vision, in, in our culture points and our mission that we're going to do business with people who That's have good. the same values as us. Life's too short you know, to be treated exactly. poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the average size job that you're doing, if you don't mind? Uh, our, our average size job is around $75,000. Um, okay. How many squares? How, many, like, how big a job is that? Um, typically? Um, it, de- it depends. Between, I'd say between 15 and 30,000 square feet. And there again, the price depends on the, on the system as well. So, Is it a single ply typically, a TPO? Is it a coating or what type of material is that typically? We, we actually do a lot of single plies. We do a lot of PVC and TPO. Um, okay. I'd say it's, it's about 50-50 right now with coatings and single ply. But we do have and- some large single ply projects. I don't know if these numbers are crazy. I'm not a roofer, but I've just hung out with you guys forever, talk with roofers. Is it common to have a third profit, a third labor, and a third material cost on a commercial roof bid? Is that a good rule of thumb, or does it change quite a bit from that? Um, I'm actually, I've never looked at it that way, so I'm not sure where it would come out to, you know, as thirds. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, your, your material costs, your labor and our, our overhead cost is, um, you know, say our labor cost is we figure our labor at $40 an hour. Um, our overhead cost is around $50 an hour. So our overhead cost is actually, you know, quite a bit more than our labor. labor cost. And you bid that into the job before your gross margin. So if you had a gross margin or gross profit on it before say overhead cost, do you, is there a minimum threshold on percentage that you'll start out the gate, not considering marketing and overhead costs and other stuff, just like gross net before, you know, the meaning labor material. Is there, do you, do you cut it at 30% or 25 or 20 or whatever? I mean, is there a spot where you're like, we won't take any lower than this gross net before Mm -hmm. our overhead? Um, That's all figured in. I'm not sure where it comes out to, um, you know, with percentages. Uh, we have a spreadsheet set up that calculates all that for us. We basically put in the metrics for the job and then it uh, spits out a number for the salesperson. Fair enough. And, and, and you, by that. the way, don't feel compelled to release any trade secrets or anything. I'm just asking a few questions. I'm just curious about it. No, I, I like these types of questions. I, we, it's not like we try to hide our bidding process. Um, you know, I've shared it with other roofers. I've, I'm, People have helped me. I like to help people. I think it goes both ways. So I don't mind sharing that. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, So uh, Kenneth, and and again, it's Kenneth Byler, Great Lakes Commercial Roofing out of Pennsylvania and Iowa. um, Kenneth is a part of something. And again, I'm not, I'm never paid for any of this stuff, by the way, for anybody listening. I just, I, we have a, podcast to help roofers and just a broader format that, that that's more interesting and a lot of the basis of mine is why people do it we'll get into lifestyle and ultimate dreams like 10 years from now and all that later but um in a second but it's part of something called conklin uh conklin roofing and speaking of helping people and mentors and that sort of help most of the time 
Now, if you ask for a mentor, it's one thing. The way that Kenneth went about it's totally different. And 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 most people are going to be helpful. But if you just call a roofer that's local and say, hey, I'm really wanting to go into commercial roofing and direct competition against you. Please show me how to do that. Most of these guys are not going to help you. So this is no longer a mentor. This is a competitor calling a competitor saying, um, listen, I really like you to come bid this $100,000 or $300,000 roof I got. I think I'm going to make $100,000 net profit on it. And I need somebody to walk me through it. So, hey, uh, Ken, come come help me, would you? And Ken's going to be like, no, man, uh, we don't do that. You didn't really. So there's a there's a difference between a mentor, a competitor, and how you position yourself and ask people stuff. But with Conklin Network, since you get paid a little bit as a direct, direct distributor of it, when someone buys material, it's inherently built in that other Conklin people will help you. They're literally paid to help you. And so you may or may not like the sound of a direct distributorship, but when you when somebody signs up through Conklin, you've got a mentor built in. And that guy is literally, you know, hoping that you do well. He's your coach that's literally paid if you sell it. And so he's going to get up on the roof, hold your hand, give you his Excel sheet. Maybe that's where Kenneth got some of his numbers from. I don't know. But these guys are going to get up and help you and then call you, drive over to see you, come bid the first few jobs possibly, help you through the whole thing and hold your hand. And there's not anything else out there like it. So, again, I'm not selling it. I'm going to pay anything for this at all. Zero. But I find it intriguing. I found it intriguing when I first looked into all of it because there's just nothing like it. And if you want to get help from a roofer, this is how it gets done. So th this is one of the easiest ways to enter into commercial roofing. So did you get helped originally from a Conklin guy or did you get into Conklin? Was your uncle Conklin as well? Conklin is C-O-N-K-L-I-N, Conklin Roofing Products. So they sell foam and uh, single plies, PVC, TPO, as well as roof coatings, silicone, acrylic. Anyway, so go ahead. Did, did you did somebody help you uh, with Conklin, or was Conklin after your uncle? No, so my uncle was in Conklin, and that's how I got started was through Conklin. Um, I don't think I'd be in commercial roofing today if it wasn't for Conklin. If you look at starting right. a roof a commercial roofing business without the the mentorship and the the help of an entire organization, uh, it's, it's going to be very difficult. So I'm I'm very grateful. Right for the Conklin organization that we've had um, to, and now we've, we've grown a little bit beyond that now, but I mean, the Conklin organization is, it's definitely helped us a lot, you know, growing and all that kind of stuff. Now, if somebody, I'm going to say this, if a, if a roofer, if you're not in Conklin and you want a, a mentor or a commercial roofing guy, that you can bounce ideas off of, um, look for somebody at least two states away and reach out to them. And I'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to help you, um, you know, if they're not in direct competition. Um, that's one of the ways that I got one of my mentors. But anyway, that's kind of beside the point. So, so I didn't set this up, but this is queuing into something really nicely. So Kenneth talking about calling people to help for mentorship. Obviously, somebody not in your backyard would be less offensive for a mentor. But in Conklin, they get paid a little bit for it. And again, I'm not getting paid doing this, but it seems to make sense to queue up. Kenneth might be your mentor, but he's but mentorship is included, inclusive within the Conklin network. So if you wanted to join into Conklin because you wanted to learn how to apply metal roof coating systems, uh, fabric interlayment, uh, you know, coatings where you create your own single ply in place, monolithic seamless system. I, a lot of this stuff is phenomenal stuff if, if it's done properly with good products. So Conklin teaches you how, and the people that sign you up teach you how to apply a proper roof system with superior product, which is Conklin product. They're, they're very high end on, on that. So you're not going to have poor quality UV, UV uh, treatments and stuff, whatever all that stuff is. It's the highest quality stuff you can get. And then if he signs you up in Conklin, he automatically kind of become a mentor. Is that kind of a true statement to some degree? If somebody wants to sign up and learn how to do commercial roofing and sell Conklin product, you would help them with that. 
and by default kind of become a mentor on commercial roofing. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I help um, the, the contractors that I help get started. Um, <clears throat> and that's part of what I like about the network as well. It's part of, I can give back easily to other roofers as well, but I would help them, you know, bid, I'd help them with their marketing. Um, basically all the experience that I have, I want to pass on to them. So marketing, whatever it is, um, bidding the first couple jobs, um, doing the first couple jobs. Um, I take my equipment and I don't charge anything for it for the first roof, you know, we'll help them do it. Cause it's very important to, uh, especially when you're starting out, you know, do your roofs properly. Um, so you're not going to have issues down the road and there's, you know, that's kind of how I got started and it's very, you know, you get less mistakes that way. Somebody helping you. So, so coatings have been around a little bit now and they had a resurgence about eight years ago or so roughly. Mm -hmm. And the industry began to accept the coatings again. I think that the quality of the material had increased and the roof systems, like the way people applied it had gotten better. Um, in my opinion, I'm not a roofer, but it makes sense that if you're going to go out and bid a TPO with a replacement job, that if it can be coated, that that's bid at the same time. It would be foolish to some degree to not allow the coating bid to go in because you're going to lose business off of it. So the business owner looks at the $100,000 bid to pull off the TPO, fill up the landfills, by the way, not a green, remove a perfectly good substrate material instead of prepping it for a coating, which might even uh, have them with a better product because it's a seamless monolithics, you know, seamless system if it's done well. And then they might choose that $70,000 bid or that $65,000 bid off of the coating before they went with a straight replacement. And at very least, you might end up with 15, 20% higher uh, close ratio. So you go from closing you know, 25% of them to 40% or 50% of them because you're giving them choices. So do you, do you see people doing that with coatings? Do you do that with a coating? Do you say, hey, we can replace your roof, but I could coat your roof. Do, do you give them a choice on the, when you bid? Absolutely. Um, we have a customer that comes to mind is a roof that we did. Um, we started last fall. We didn't, we ran out of nice weather. So we finished it uh, the other week, but they had a metal roof and it was leaking and they wanted a restoration. So we quoted it as a restoration and then they came back and said, Hey, look, we're not getting getting any other estimates. Um, we want to go with you guys. Could you give us a price to do a metal replacement, which we do some roofs as well. Um, right. If they could get a price for that. So we gave them a price quote for that. And it was almost double of that right. of a restoration. And with the restoration, we were able to give them a 20 year manufacturer's warranty. Um, and that roof is now seamless, um, you know, eliminated all the fasteners, the seams, it's white reflective. Um, so that they're getting a cooler building at half the cost of a metal replacement that basically just replaced problem areas with the same problem areas. So it's absolutely, it's a great selling point. Did you um, coat that, I mean, foam that roof and then coat the foam or did you just do straight coat? We just did a restoration. Yeah, no, no spray foam, just, just a restoration. So when somebody talks about fasteners and really all these potential places or seams, all these places where a roof can fail or leak, and then they do a proper roof system and they, they'll probably caulk the fasteners and then coat or, and then you know, go over that caulking as well. So it has the coating over that too. I know sometimes people will do a repair and then not, not take proper care of the coating. I don't, is that caulk UV treated as well? Will that caulk break down faster than the coating around it? If it's it, not it will break down. Yeah. It'll break down sooner. Um, just because it's made to be part of a complete system. Right. Um, and that's what we tell people. They, you know, an owner is going to see a coating as a coating, a building owner is going to see a coating as a coating, but these are, it's, it's a, it's a complete system and you have all these components, you know, working together uh, to, to make this thing work. 
And if you just do part of it, it's okay as a repair, short term maybe, but you know they're not made to work, uh, you know, independently of each other really. Yeah, there's some horror stories with uh with if a if if a roof's not prepared properly, it can literally peel off. You have to do a stress like a pull test on pound pressure, make mm-hmm. sure that thing will hold. Uh, but but they teach you all this, so you could go out and you don't have you didn't thermal image it. It could have leaks. It could have it might not. What, what do you, what's what's the uh, what's the product called that you spray on to prepare for the coating? I forget the name of it. It's been too long since I've gone through all this. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple different primers um, for primer. the system. Um, there's, you know, they have the end case primer for metal. They have the tack coat for rubber roofs and, you know, the prime time. Um, so there's different systems. And that's another way that Conklin really stands out is their training that's available to new roofers where, mm-hmm. where they go over everything step by step. They have hands-on training. So, you know, you're getting started with this great training right out of the gate before you even step foot on a roof. And so you're going out with that knowledge, you know, when you go to bid your first roof or whatever, you already have that knowledge of how to do it. I mean, the truth is like, so I went to that training and I don't sell Conklin stuff or try to have a network or anything, but it's been, I don't even remember where I was in Missouri somewhere. I forgot Kansas. I I can't remember where was I at that Conklin train, like two, two nights, three day training. It was probably Kansas city or Kansas city. Yeah. yeah, there's rabbits everywhere. I remember in the middle of nowhere and there's like rabbit, right. you know, like <laughs> rabbits out of control. Anyway, but um, went and sat through the training. And the truth is, after any of these trainings, because I've been to a few of them, you learn stuff, but you really don't remember everything. Like I'm sitting there hand welding PVC. It looked horrific, looked like a five year old had hand welded the PVC together. So, and then I sprayed some foam and I mean, it looks awful. You know, you have to have expertise and do this stuff for a long time. I don't remember how to bid the thing. I've been scared of that. And so, yes, you get training, but it's a network of people through this that, and I'm, and I'm sold on it a little bit through it, but I don't profit from this or anything. We're just talking about a logical way to enter into commercial roofing and to have mentorship. that's literally paid to be in your best interest. When you walk out of any training for any roof product, if you have no skills whatsoever, you won't remember how to actually go to fruition with a job. You just flat out won't be able to do it. Someone's going to have to come in there, bro, hug it out and say, don't worry about it, bro. We're going to get this bid out. It's going to be okay. If you don't have that guy there, you're probably not getting into commercial roofing. And let's talk about just that for a minute, commercial. Uh, one other thing, that roof that he's talking about that was probably like an R panel or something, just a fashion down roof. Um, it's got hundreds, if not thousands of fasteners on it and place for that thing to leak. And it went to a seamless monolithic properly installed system. That's better than what would have been replaced that thing. And now, and now uh, Kenneth gets to, by the way, guys redo this. It's already been primed and the coating redo in 10 years will be a little cheaper and easier. And now he's got a regular client, even though it has a 20 year warranty, I'm pretty sure he's going to redo that roof uh, before the end of the 20 years. Um, so, and, and it produces that extra client. It's just, it's not a bad system at all, but, um, anyway, you, you're going to need that help through to hold your hand to actually get in the business. Otherwise people won't get in the business. So let's talk about a guy that goes hardcore commercial because almost nobody does this. Even people that get involved in Conklin and other commercial will dip into residential. Um, I happen to like a guy that does both. I don't really care from that standpoint, However, somebody so doggedly sticking to commercial, even at an early age, there's some benefits here that are obvious. His average job is $25,000. He's making $25,000, I mean $75,000. So you're making $25,000, maybe net on a roof, I don't know, twenty, And you're getting blips from it. You have extreme expertise at this point. You have repeat clients already after eight years in the business. And you don't go messing with a shingle roof and deal with the same insurance chasing group of people so you're there's multiple things here and i i want to go back to one other thing remind me to go over equipment costs how much does it cost get a spray rig for let's say a coating like a silicon or acrylic not a not an sbf foam but um so talk to me about being a purebred commercial roofer and the benefits if you think there are some over a 
a guy who does both. Well, first off, if there's a residential guy watching this, I have nothing against you guys. My hat's off to you climbing around on those steep roofs. <laughs> but the, yeah. the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things is uh, you could do, you know, there's fewer jobs um, that you have to do in a year, you know, for, for the same sales numbers. You can, you can do fewer jobs and typically your profit margins higher per job, um, you know, on a commercial job than a residential. And another aspect of it that I, that I probably like the most is dealing with other business owners versus homeowners. Um, you know, you're dealing with somebody who's most of the time you're dealing with somebody who runs a business of their own. And, you know, so, so they kind of know what, you're dealing with and you know what they're dealing with um so that that part of it i really like versus just a homeowner you know for residential so does it give you more freedom to leave and go on a vacation with your family that you're dealing with fewer jobs do you have more flexibility you think um that part definitely does bring some flexibility um along with the systems that we have in place and the people that we have in place um, I actually, but I live in Iowa now and our roofing business is still growing back in PA without me being there. So, and part of that is being, you know, due to commercial. Why'd you move to Iowa? You got, you, you got a couple hundred acre bug out property. You got the dream going there, shooting some deer and growing some food and got chickens all that stuff. Uh, not yet. Um, if we were part of a church outreach Okay. Um, that move moved to this northeastern Iowa area yeah. um, to start another church. So okay, well, cool. Yeah, it's good stuff though. I and, and I want to point out something here too. Just kind of out of nowhere, there's a lot of people that get into roofing to make their dreams happen. You know, I I've had a I, I had a guest on the other day. He was a previous financial guy that sold like for TD Ameritrade. Mm -hmm. um, I have another guy that came on who was, uh, or I have a client who was a CPA, a private equity type, small time private equity investor. And so people come into roofing. And I think one of the reasons is it's really difficult to make money if you don't have a high ticket item or residual income or software or something. It's very difficult if you got a low ticket sale item that you're having to churn out. It's very difficult to do that. But roofing allows you to make a bigger profit with fewer jobs because you have a large ticket item. Um, Okay, so I had a couple other things on here. Do you have any? Um, do you have any interesting stories, good or bad? Good stories, bad stories. Um, Jobs, people that work for you. You know, things that you wanted to ever do again. Your best job ever. I don't know anything like that. Worst job well, ever. <laughs> worst job ever. It's probably. Yeah. Uh, actually, just recently, I'll, I actually have two stories, a good one and a bad one. The bad one is uh, we did a, a small project and it had a flat roof and then it also had some shingles coming down onto the flat roof. Well, we did the flat roof before the shingle contractor did the shingles and they just, uh, they completely ruined our, our flat roof, um, cut holes in it. They cut the shingles on it. Uh, it, it, was, it was a disaster. And the shingle company didn't stand behind it. The building owner was still getting multiple leaks through his roof, through our flat roof now because of that. And none of them understood that, you know, it wasn't our fault. It was the other contractor's fault. And it was a small enough roof that finally we were like, you know, we're tired of dealing with this. We're just going to redo the roof. And at, at that point, you know, since they cut a hole in that basically would have voided our warranty based on the terms of our contract, it would have voided the warranty. Um, right. But we ended up going back and just recoding it. Now they don't have any issues. So right. it wasn't, wasn't a horror story, but you know, it's one of those things you, you come across. In you, business. Reco you, you ate, you ate the whole thing though. It's the cost, the extra cost. Yeah. Fixing it. Yep. So I've some made no money on it we, we made no money on that project but we still have a good customer that's going to keep giving us referrals uh that's how we looked at it more in the long term did the customer believe you did they believe you they did 
but they also wanted their flat roof to stop leaking. So they right. still kind of looked at it as our problem. <laughs> I don't blame them hardly, but yeah, that sucks. Okay. What's the other one? Uh, so the other one, and this is probably, um, I'm, I'm super proud of, of our guys and our team. It, it was uh, one of the biggest projects we've ever done. Um, it was a fairly steep roof. Uh, it was commercial, but it was for a huge steel mill. This building was probably 50, 60 feet high and right. over a quarter mile long and very high, you know, pretty steep. And our guys, it took us about three months to do. And our guys did that whole project with no safety incidents um got the whole project done um no leaks uh this project was right beside a main road uh osha headquarters was just down the street um wow. we had we had multiple safety meetings you know with the with the owners uh working around them because of the steel mill they have a lot of stuff going on dangerous stuff um hmm. we're able to work around them we got the job done and everybody's happy uh to me that's that was one of the one of my proudest moments in business, and it, and it happened without you know me being present. Um, you know our guys were able to pick that up and and do that, and that's. I assume you uh, did not get an OSHA fine from the OSHA people down the street. Then you no, you they they never even they never even showed up to the job site. We one of the first things we did before we started the project was install a a permanent safety line system. So our guys could be tied off 100% of the time. And, you know, we have very strict safety measures in place. You know, if they don't, if our guys don't abide by that, you know, there's consequences on that, you know, getting kicked off the job and all that. But How many, how many square feet was this job? Was this a large, pretty large job? It was this? about 118,000 square feet. So it wasn't wow. super large, but it was, there, there was a lot going on in those 118,000 square feet. <laughs> yeah. What is that like? just an acre and a half or two two and a half acres a roof or something yeah. like that yeah i figured um, it up at one point with a couple acres yeah uh, okay so before we wrap up and i want to and I'll, I'll give out your information again but so what's like uh what's dreams man share with me some dreams you already you already have some going obviously and we don't share anything that you don't want to but like you because you've already moved and you're living somewhere else. So you've got something, some cool stuff already happening in your life, it sounds like. But what do you plan on like five years from now, 10 years from now? You're so young. So I'm going to say 10 years from now because you're only 36 years old, 10 years from now. What do you, are you still roofing? Are you somewhere else or, you know, what type of stuff? What, what, what's driving you to do stuff beyond just paying the bills? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the part I could, I could talk all day about this because this is the part I love, but I, in 10 years, my, my goal in 10 years is to have five locations, um, you know, five commercial roofing business locations, um, having them all operate uh, without me. I want to jump in my plane and fly to the different locations, yes. check up on them Life occasionally. Um, I want to take my family to vacations on vacations with the plane. Um, so, you know, plane is definitely one of my big dreams, but then also having, having a, a, a farm at a hundred acres or so, some beef cows, whatever I can go yeah, you know, like have, have the, you know, something where my children can grow up, um, you know, having chores to do and learning to work on a farm kind of, um, that that's my dream. Um, that's what yeah. I'm, that's what I'm working towards. That, that is a very nice dream. Kenneth. I, a lot of those things are within line of what, I mean, I, I was the first generation not born on a farm in Oklahoma. I've always had this strong feel like I need to get to land to farm. I think that, uh, in today's time, a lot of us want to be able to produce our own food. Um, that sounds fantastic. Um, overall, are you getting, uh, are you taking flight lessons? Are you getting ready for a pilot's license? Are you have you been up in a plane yet to for that one? So a friend of mine um, is actually a, a certified flight instructor. Um, oh wow! He, he has a, a Cirrus SR twenty two, which I've flown a couple times. Um, the plane that I want to get, I won't be flying myself, or I won't. Yeah, I won't be flying myself. I have a pilot. 
um, to where I don't don't have to fly it. Um, so like big balling stuff, like you know, twin engine jet plane type stuff, or what? What do you? Why wouldn't you fly? You don't want to fly or be on the tarmac I, I like Grant Cardone taking pictures. <laughs> no, I, I don't care for all that, all the publicity that mm. comes with it. I just want to have it for the convenience and. Uh, whether it's a jet or, you know, nice turboprop, uh, the cabins inside, both of those are really nice, actually very similar. Um, right. So, you know, I don't. What plane? What plane, if you don't mind, because I look into this stuff. I don't think I'm buying a plane because I have some equilibrium. I, I don't think I'd be a good pilot. I don't want to fly myself. But what type of plane were you looking at? Cause... Uh, so actually the, the plane that I have um, on my dream board uh, is the Beechcraft 350. Um, okay. King Air 350, uh, very nice oh, twin engine plane. So, how many people does it seat? Uh, that one, I think I seat. Uh, think in that configuration, you can get seven people in. Okay, so. that's nice, man. I like it. I like it. So these are all. So so to those who haven't dreamt this far yet, which these are good dreams, man. Um, it's not. It's not crazy to say that lifestyle should be simplistic without flashy stuff, but still want a plane. And the reason it's not crazy is because the plane allows for the lifestyle. The plane is not necessarily a flashy uh, object that somebody has on a vision board or I like uh, daily affirmations. You know, we talk about uh, thought manifestation. You really can't get anywhere. I mean, obviously, I, I would say that I don't know you, Kenneth, that well from this standpoint, but I'd say you had a supportive family and a good upbringing because you're confident enough to go ask people for help as a mentor. That's huge. And then these things to have 100 acres isn't, I mean, it feels, I don't think it's selfish or dumb for a human being to want acreage. We all used to be entrepreneurs and we were all farmers. We all had our own little business running just to keep our lives together, right? And then we bought into the dream of industrialization and came out the farm, sold the land and went to work for people. Some of us went in and started working for themselves, like being a roofer or with me, digital marketing company software. But we did that stuff in order to participate. And it's natural to want to go get some land to go back to where things used to be so that you can be in control of your own lifestyle, food production, you know, that sort of thing. A plane helps that stuff happen so much easier. So I personally yeah. like to be one spot. So I like the paradise <laughs> thought. For, I don't like to move around. I'm 49. See how you feel at 49 though, right? Like I like that idea better when I was younger, but now I'll just stay in Maui. You know, it's like, I, I like Texas. I'll, I'll put me in Texas in the best place possible. Put me in Maui. And I was just talking about this the other day. You talk about these conversations are really interesting to me. Because I used to want, when I was a kid, I wanted a huge house on a Fort Worth lake. So that's as good as it gets here. But I don't want the best home in the worst environment. You know, mm -hmm. I want a simple home in the best environment, right? And so mm -hmm. that's the better lifestyle. Uh, you're not going to be healthy and have a good lifestyle if you're in the middle of a megatropolis with the biggest house in the megatropolis. So mm -hmm. you want a simple life with maybe a piece of land and that's going to be healthier and have the best lifestyle. You don't need something flashy to show people. And also when you get into these lifestyle situations, you start actually living that you're not concerned at that point with trying to keep up with anybody else. Let people in Pennsylvania or Dallas Fort Worth go keep up with their own selves. But if mm -hmm. you're, if you're, if you're yourself just focused on lifestyle as much as you can within reason, because we all have to participate in uh, the system to, that's that's here now to some degree. You can't just move out in the middle of nowhere, no population, and have no ability to provide service to earn income, right? Not right. at least in the beginning, not unless you have achieved the passive income and you're truly retired, which would be very difficult, I might add, even if you think you're retired. I have mentored some people before, uh, by the way, uh, Kenneth, on they think they're done, and I'm like, hey, can you share with me a little bit about your finances? I'm not going to ask you for any money. Can, can I ask how well you're doing? And I'm like, you don't have enough money yet. And they're like, I triple what you think you need. And because when you stop a business too, some people get 
to earning money and get cocky, it's very difficult to get a business going again. Um, you you may or may not get the business going again. You might have some sort of physical problem or mental issue or some sort of mental block or industries could change. You know, who knows what could change. But before someone truly retires and lives passive income-wise, you'd better be triple down secured with income off of real estate, apartment units, Airbnbs, stock portfolio, some sort of something, some sort of alternative tax passive income that's not being taxed as, as well, alternative taxed cash, not income tax, right? Not an income tax mm-hmm. situation. Because at the end of the day, we are still working for income. You've got to take that money now and then invest it into a passive income source. And mm-hmm. right before this podcast started, and we don't have to get into it, but Kenneth was saying he was just getting into some uh, real estate investment, which will be a necessity in order for you to not feel uncomfortable as you expand. Because if you expand too much with an expense structure that brings an income and you don't have a passive income going, you will get stressed out. Believe me, there will be stress. That's for sure. Yeah, you do not want that. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, the plane is awesome. And the farm, I love the farm. Um, have you ever like, uh, I asked some questions, some weird questions here. Have you ever castrated a calf, Kenneth, or done any real farm work like that? I have not, but I'm asking you if you have, have you done that? I have, I have, I, I didn't grow up on a farm, Okay. but my grandpa was just down the road and my brother and I used to go down almost every day and help with the milking and and grandpa made you castrate a calf <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, we helped yeah. um yeah so it, it's one of those things and i i feel like that's where part of where i got my work ethic is from being on a farm right. because there's there's no you don't take breaks i mean there's yeah. you know you work all day um and then you sleep good at night and, and I, I i want my children to grow up with that uh, yeah. having that you know that mentality hard work with satisfaction like satisfaction and hard work right and it's exactly. hard to do that if you're not doing that with the land you can't just do that with business sitting in a chair talking on a zoom call that's not the type of hard work we're talking about right mm-hmm. there's nothing yeah. wrong with what we're doing but if this is all there is to it it kind of falls flat on the dream doesn't it it's not mm-hmm. satisfying ultimately yeah mm-hmm. it's not enough Okay, so man, I appreciate this. I love this one. Let me leave you with this. Um, I'm assuming Kenneth Byler at Great Lakes Commercial Roofing out of Pennsylvania now is happy to hear from you if you wanted to join up with Conklin and would inadvertently become one badass uh, mentor, possibly, if he liked you, because he told you earlier, if you're a mean person, he ain't going to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't blame you. You shouldn't, Kenneth, you should not. So as long as you're a decent, a decent person, um, do you want to give out any other information? Like what I, I should know this, but what's your uh, website, uh, Kenneth, the URL? Um, Great Lakes Commercial Roofing LLC.com or um, I have my own personal website on Forbes business. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Kenneth underscore Byler 96 want to reach out to me that way as well direct message kenneth look after him i I tell you what we didn't set this up but the whole thing kind of flowed nicely this was a nice flowing podcast all the way i uh i wish i was kenneth at 26 years old actually at 26 i was kind of balling i just didn't um i didn't invest well kenneth i was making a fortune around 27 8 9 range and then I didn't invest, you know, so you, you're going to keep running the wheel until you invest and uh, things are different for me now, but this stuff is on point. I'm talking to some guys here and there that are dead on point and you got stuff going. Just don't, as my grandpa used to say, as long as we're talking about grandparents, don't get too big for your britches and uh, keep doing the same thing you're doing now. And I think you're going to live as good of a life as somebody can. So if you want to talk to Kenneth, give him a call, a direct messaging, or look him up or email him, Kenneth Byler, Great Lakes Commercial 
roofing out of Pennsylvania and it gave you some stuff. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you uh, so much. So thanks for coming on and uh, we'll see you. Anything else at all or is that good for now or any other uh, thoughts for anybody? No, I think that's all I have. If I could just, um, I'd like to give you a recommendation as well. If anybody wants to reach out to me, if they're looking for a website, um, oh, you've been great to great to work with it. I mean, I can attribute a lot of our business growth to the amount of leads that we've gotten from our website from you. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I thank you so much. I, th this platform's a little different, so I'm not pandering myself. I'm pandering other people. I'm talking about things up a roofer, but indirectly, of course, I, I want business just like anybody, but um, right. definitely do those pins, by the way, and call us if you got any questions about it, guys. I, I know it'll help you. I, I want you to make as much money as possible. I do, but it's been great. Thanks to you for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. You got my number if you ever want to call, by the way, too. All right. So. Thanks, Noah. All, right. All right. We'll see you, man. Take it easy. Yep. Nolan Walker here with Roofing Webmasters. Guys, we own a digital marketing agency, and I've told you that, but we have another podcast. So if you like Roofer's Paradise, be sure to check out Roofing Webmasters podcast. You can find us on any podcast platform or just search Roofing Webmasters on YouTube or go to roofingwebmasters.com, but check out the podcast for Roofing Webmasters where we really educate you about anything and everything marketing related online with roofing. Roofing Webmasters podcast, check it out.